Welcome back, beautiful soul, to another amazing interview here on the Soul Driven Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your time. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, Akashic Soul Channel, your host, your host. I gotta know, I'm so curious, how was your Lion's Gate? So it's Lion's Gate today for me when I'm recording this. And I had actually scheduled this as an off day for myself because Lion's Gate is usually a really powerfully heavy like moment <laughs> in my little yearly whatever you want to call it. Um, last year, Lion's Gate, I don't even want to share what happened. Wasn't fun, wasn't good. Yeah, wasn't great. Um, this year, I am much more equipped. Very thankful for that. But I still woke up feeling irritable and heavy. So heavy, in fact, that my eyes were like practically swollen shut, which I don't know how energy affects you. But for me, it's like when I feel strong energy coming in, when it really like moves into my body or it's here, my eyes get really like heavy, swollen. Sometimes I just look like I'm stoned. <laughs> Those are the days I put on the glasses and I'm just like, hey, hey, hide behind my glasses. They, they help it look a little bit better, you know? I never understood this growing up, um, you know, when I was younger in regards to what would happen to my face because it legitimately gets so swollen. Um, now, now I understand. But thankfully, I had a beautiful morning time. I, you know, did a lot of my little energetic practices and moved a lot of the heaviness out, which um, highly, highly recommend in these times because it helps me, it helped me to come back to my center. It helped me to step back into my energy so that I could make today a fun, productive day and show up for you, fabulous person. And, um, you know, do the things that I need to do for myself even. So curious to see how the lion's gate resonates with you, what comes up. There could be all kinds of things. So um, in that, make sure that you check out the August Akashic forecast and the August astrology forecast. So I released the astrology forecast this past Friday with evolutionary astrologer Katie Emma such a fun little episode to do with her. Um, and of course, the Akashic forecast, right? Our theme this month, tighten down the hatches. Such an interesting way to say it. <laughs> These are just like some of the little things that help me to really feel confident when I'm channeling new records that it's like, it's not me because I wouldn't say it that way. But in all seriousness, it, it, it makes so much more sense. Like, um, what is it? Tighten down, like batten down the hatches, tighten down the hatches, like batten. That word never made sense to me. Tighten is so much more literal, you know, it's like, oof, get ready. Um, but be sure to check out the integration portion of that podcast. If you are feeling a bit frantic about how intense the monthly reading was, because I really took the time to break it down this month because I didn't want people's nervous system freaking out, you know? As I shared before, if you are here in these times, if you are still here on this planet, A, you're fully, fully equipped, fully equipped. And then B, you still have a purpose. You have a reason to be here. 
And I hope that you find it. I hope that you know what that is. And I got to tell you, you know, even in the midst of difficult times, we can still enjoy them. We can still find peace. We can still experience joy. I mean, that is, as far as I'm concerned, being energetically sovereign. Because while the world is breaking down around us, we can still be in our own space. You know, um, Jesus said, be in the world, but not of it. And man, does that ring true in these times. So anyway, make sure to check those out. In addition, the August Akashic Toolkit is available ready for download. Seven bucks. Grab that. I created these. It's a 13-page workbook. Um, You get um, the transcription for the monthly forecast. Um, You also get your own recording of it. Um, Resources, tools, journaling prompts, things that are really going to help you to anchor in to the lessons for this month, to the the priorities, the things that we want to to learn in the midst of this space, the things that we want to kind of um, take a look at, you know, both the shadow and the light, right? Um, But also a gorgeous, gorgeous Akashic activations uh, that I also set to binaural beats this month. It's powerful. Uh, (laughs) that combination of the Akashic energy and the binaural beats is just like, oh, it's good. Um, but this activation is really going to help bring you back to center throughout the month, really to help calm that nervous system. Um, just, oh, it's, it's really beautiful. So check that out. Um, link in bio, of course, and always. And, um, the next, the next, let's see, I have two announcements for you. So one, Um, I have some major life changes that are occurring right now. Be sure to check out next week's solo episode. I just kind of decided I'm going to pop in and and share a bunch of different little things with you that are going on and happening. (laughs) Um, And I'm really excited, some very exciting news. But um, that has made me realize that I got too ambitious with my workshops this month. And so I'm actually putting the how to manage your energy one on hold. Um, I'm not totally sure if I'm going to be doing that in September. You'll find out more why in, in the coming episode. It's, it has to do with these big life changes. But um, I am pushing back the Access the Akashic Records workshop from the 15th to the 22nd. So you still have a, a week, let's see, week and a half uh, when this goes live to sign up. If you are looking to empower yourself in these times and the Akashic records call to you in any way, shape, or form, sign up for this workshop because this is for you. You don't need to have any special skills, gifts, like whatever the case may be. I owned a marketing agency before I stepped into this work, okay? And everyone is open and available to the Akashic records if you so choose. So it is such a gorgeous tool. I can't speak highly enough about the Akashic Records and what they have done for me and continue to do in my life. Um, But that will be on the 22nd. And then the following week on the 29th is the part two, the Akashic, Access the Akashic Records level two workshop. Um, We're going to be diving deeper into learning how to work with the Akashic Records, really tightening up those practices in addition to reading for others, some group activities, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, you know, if you love it on the 22nd, then you could sign up for the next one on the 29th. 
um, but be sure to check those out. So, and that's really it. Again, um, I've got some really exciting news to share with you. I'll be talking about it in the months to come for sure. But next week's episode is going to be sharing several things that are happening right now that I'm beyond excited about both my personal and professional life. Okay. All right. So I know you came for the medical astrology and I don't blame you one bit. Sitting down with Kira was amazing and a lot of fun and I'm definitely going to have her back on the podcast. She does like 50 things y'all. And I know she does like 50 things really well. So <laughs> just in the midst of my chatting with her a little bit before recording and then afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, this and this. And um, she's just one of these powerhouses who has a lot of deep knowledge about multiple things that would be very useful for us right now. So be sure to tune in for this interview and learn more about her background, how she came into this work. Uh, we dive deep on medical astrology, obviously talking about what that is, how doctors used to need to be certified in medical astrology, you know, the benefits of understanding more about your medical astrology, how you can actually, you know, we, we talked about some of the best places for you to check out your chart um, so that you can kind of gain an immediate understanding of how medical astrology could benefit you, ways in which it could let you know what's going on within your own body. You know, with medical astrology, I mean, you can understand like maybe why you struggle with certain things or, you know, what, what you're more prone to. Um, certainly great for like understanding diseases or, um, you know, nervous system issues. I mean, just so many things it's difficult for me to even articulate at this point in time but we really break it down in an easy to understand way it's it's a great just kind of foundational piece for you to dive in a little bit because i got to tell you there's so much more so 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 much more and when i spoke with kira i mean the thing was like i wanted to geek out with her on on quite a few things but I felt like it would be most beneficial to you to kind of hear some foundational stuff first. And then, like I said, I'm going to have her back so we can, we can dive deeper. But highly recommend checking out Kira and her work. Again, she does so many different things. Um, and let me share her bio with you now. So Kira is an Australian naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, and astrologer who lives between Sydney, Australia, and the mountains of BC, Canada. She divides her time between clients, writing, and lecturing on health, well-being, and medical astrology. Known for her vibrant, straightforward teaching style, Kira has lectured in medical astrology around the globe and has been in clinic practice for over 25 years. Kira combines her knowledge in natural medicine with her passion for medical astrology and a wonderful mix of mind-body medicine. Medical astrology is something that you are going to so love geeking out on with us. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover 
who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back. Welcome back to another soul driven interview. I'm so excited today. We are going to be diving into medical astrology with Kira Sutherland, who's an Australian naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, and astrologer. Welcome to soul driven Kira. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited <laughs> to be here. Yes. So happy to have you here. We were just kind of talking uh, a minute ago about both of us having a Sag moon. So Mm. Um, we'll, we'll see who gets the microphone the most. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. Hmm. <laughs> it's always something that I see when I'm talking with, uh, fellow people who ha- male or female really, who have a sad yeah. moon. It's like, Oh no, this, Oh no, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all right. A bit of an interruption never heard. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely. find fire signs kind of talk over each other, but everyone's happy the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, welcome. Um, so I have been uh, a little bit of background in regards to how I came across Kira. I was listening to following actually an astrology conference and she popped up and I have been wanting to interview a medical astrologer on this podcast for so long. I know several of you have asked about it since you know mm-hmm. I love astrology and obsessed with astrology. So I'm super pumped to dive in today. But to kick things off, I'd love to start with my first question for everyone. What makes you soul-driven? What makes me soul-driven? That's probably my Sag moon. Um, (laughs) You, I just, life would be non-magical if it wasn't soul-driven. Like if, if, uh, I was explaining that to somebody else the other day. If you, if you had to live your life not searching for the magic and not living towards that enchanted understanding of the universe i i wouldn't want to be here that's for me that's like that's the jam so yeah for me it's everything if like to live a a mundane life without that search for meaning would be well be horrible yeah i fully agree completely agree Hmm. i spent a large portion of my life looking for the magic. And I'm so thankful I found it. Um, But it was still a journey of living life on my own terms versus trying to fit in with, you know, someone's box. Mm. So I completely resonate with what you're saying. I got really lucky. Well, I was raised in, um, I was raised in San Francisco in the 70s, 80s. So there was always a lot of self-expression around, even though I'm raised by two scientists. And um, and then I went away to university, but partway through university, I got the opportunity to go live in Europe. And so I quit university, which is a little bit scary, but anyway, I quit university to go have this adventure in Europe for four or five years. And that was an incredible time of waking up because I had this job 
but I had a lot of free time and you're in foreign countries without a lot of other English speaking people. And there wasn't TV, to, there wasn't English speaking TV. I couldn't just turn on Netflix, right? It was literally just foreign language TV. And, and so there was a lot of book reading and a lot of time in your own head to search. So that I got this great gift from 19 around just, yeah, diving deep in the, in almost every major city in Europe, there is an English, um, ooh, there's a esoteric bookstore that has a lot of books in English as well as whatever language, you know, if you're in Paris or wherever. And so, um, yeah, that was my, that was my juice was a lot of reading because there was, yeah, I'm dating myself heavily, but there was no internet. There was, you know, an English movie once a week at the movie theater. Oh, I, traveling is, is, I think the gateway to finding yourself, you know, yeah. I, I had shared with you again, before we started recording that I don't have kids, but if I did, I know that after they finished high school, unless they just felt crazy strong about it, I would be like, go travel yeah. for a couple of years year. before yeah. you make any kind of decisions, it's have so that true. time for yourself, do the thing, go live in another country, you know, enjoy other cultures. I mean, it's just, it's such a powerful um, initiation, you know, for anyone yeah. to really take. It's so true. We actually, my husband and I are very similar. We've had both lived around the world before we met each other. And so we do, we even do a lot of travel with her, with my daughter, because we only have one, which makes it easy. And um, yeah, we can't even imagine not traveling all the time. Um you know, pre-graduation, she's 16, so she's getting close. But yeah, we've talked a lot about gap years or, you know, taking at least a semester off to just go adventure. It's, yeah, you, you have that moment of enchantment. Well, life always feels enchanting when you travel because it's different. You're not in that mundane, right? And so I think we, I read about this somewhere as well. We notice the synchronicities more while we travel because we don't have our regular things to fall back on. And imagine if we lived our life looking for those synchronicities all the time. Yeah. That well, you have be, to be more aware. Be amazing. You I know, know but it would be amazing if we could keep that turned on during regular daily life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> so one of the places that I wanted to start with you, which is pretty random, but I would love That's to, right. you have such a very unique accent a very unique oh, voice yeah. and I would love yeah. to know where it comes from <laughs> yeah yeah that's usually it's actually not an unusual question for me so I'm born and raised in California San Francisco you know, both my parents are American um and then when I was 19 I moved to Europe for five years and then in my early 20s I moved to Sydney Australia although I had been an exchange student here in high school and so I've lived in Australia almost all my real adult life, except for two years where my family unit, we moved to Canada for two years, went and kind of had a sabbatical in the mountains, in the ski fields. But I travel a lot back to the US and Canada. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a motley accent, but yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's funny because I can be anywhere and people will pop around the corner and go, I heard that voice. I knew it was you <laughs> because I don't quite sound Australian to Australians. And then, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, 
it's not as strong. I used to sound more Australian, but it, it, not since we went back to Canada for a while because I was the west coast of Canada, which kind of sounded like San Francisco. And so I just adopted it back. But yeah, sometimes I get mistaken for Irish. So I don't know. Yeah, it's all over the place. I love it. I love it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kira. So I'm curious to know like where this journey with medical astrology began. Was this in the midst of reading books in Europe or how did you come to it? Look, reading books in Europe, I was definitely reading a lot of astrology. Um, but when I came to Australia to live, I formally, once I stopped traveling, that was like, okay, I'm going to formally study naturopathy, which is different in Australia. It's a four-year undergrad degree. So I was doing that. But at the time, um, I also went and formally studied astrology. It was like, as soon as I had finished traveling, I was like, oh my God, now I can actually find a teacher and take these classes. Because again, this is the early 90s. And uh, you know, there's no internet where you can listen to amazing podcasts and study with these amazing teachers all around the world. Like the way it's global now is you know, you physically had to locate a teacher in your hometown. And I found this amazing astrology teacher. And um, by the time I was doing the second year of astrology study, she taught this class, one little two hour class on the body rulerships of medical astrology. And and in studying naturopathy, we're looking at herb, you know, that's part of a herbalist training or herbalist, you would say over there. And a lot of old herbal books have these rulerships of, oh, this plant is ruled by Mars, this plant is ruled by the sun. So I had been exposed to that there, there was this idea in the West of energetics around herbs and like Mars is hot and dry and, you know, things like that. But once I hit this medical astrology class for two hours, I was like, this is it. This is this, you know, it was like a system, you know, there's this system in the West that we have kind of forgotten, you know, traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda still very much have these systems of analysis using the elements and temperatures, and they assess the body differently than, you know, Western naturopathy. We've become very evidence-based, which is great, but we're starting to lose the soul within naturopathy that, that when I studied, there was a lot more spirituality and energetics taught in naturopathy and and so medical astrology for me was like oh my god here's our energetics this was part of medicine in the west until three or four hundred years ago and you know galileo used to teach medical astrology nobody knows that at at at, at a medical school at in you know Italy. And so it was this huge dive into every book I could find on medical astrology because there weren't any, uh, there weren't any people teaching it at that time where I lived, like that I knew of. So I'm a self-taught medical astrologer. Yeah. That's my long story. That's how I found it. And when I found it, that was kind of, I've always done it in the background, when I look at people naturopathically, but a lot of my clients, some of my clients don't even know I do it, but I'm still assessing people energetically, even though they don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that would be really crucial to your work. I had heard, um, and you can share with me if this is true or not, but yeah. I had heard that at some point, um, doctors had to be certified in medical astrology mm. in order to practice. 
Yeah. True? I mean, that's hundreds of years ago. It was right. part of their training. And, and if you go back in medicine, the history of medicine, you might not hear about it like medical astrology, but there were, they would talk about temperaments and humors. So sanguine, choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic um, are the temperaments and the humors, which are, you know, yellow bile, black bile, this kind of stuff. And that really got thrown out at the same time we stopped bloodletting and stopped leeching people and, you know, using leeches, although that's back. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, we, a lot of that system got incorporated more into psychology and human analysis. You know, if we, the temperaments were all about the combination of the elements, you know, the four elements that we use in the West, earth, fire, air, water, but that whole system almost got changed. It did get changed. And it ended up in psychology, you know, with, you know, analysis of people like Myers-Briggs and all those kind of tests you can do. You can actually trace the analysis of humans that way back to the elements and the temperaments. And you can trace that in links back to medical astrology. Um, but we just don't know it. It's like Jung was hugely into astrology. He has a whole book written on how he applied astrology with his clients Who? but no one talks about it Jung Carl Jung oh yeah yeah Sorry, that's my accent yeah. <laughs> Carl, Carl Jung there we go yeah yes yes yeah. I've definitely read about that before um or read about his connection and uh utilization of astrology um that's fascinating because I can see that sort of shift I'm sure that religion had a piece to play in it as well in regards Absolutely. to you know, going from astrology into more psychology. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah. before we dive in too much, um, if you could just share with us, uh, if you could just explain what medical astrology is in case someone's listening sure. who isn't familiar. <laughs> I probably sure. should have started there. That's all right. So, um, oh my gosh, what is medical astrology? So it is looking at, it's just another way of looking at the energetics of the human body. So if you are really into astrology, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this, we're not just our sun sign. You know, everyone talks about what day you're born and this is what you are. But we, when you do proper astrology, you get the birth time and the birthplace and you draw up a map, which is a natal chart, which is the circular chart, which is, I mean, I'm explaining astrology right now. But anyway, you know, the way I describe it to clients that don't understand astrology is it's like if you were sitting, you're if you're at the center of the circle and you look up, it's what the, like the blueprint of the heavens, the moment you incarnated. And it's these energetics that you were born to work with and life paths and karmic stuff. But in medical astrology, it comes down to here's your strengths and weaknesses within the physical body and your temperament as far as like, you know, do you carry a lot of heat in your body? Or are you more of a cold constitution? So it, it basically gives you a blueprint of your constitutional strengths and weaknesses. And then when you analyze it, you can see how to better support somebody or better, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the ways I can explain it. I can, one of the things I love about it is people can come with a problem and you can find in the chart where that problem is, but then you can look at the underlying issues aggravating that problem. And I think that's really nice as a roadmap because sometimes 
we get health ailments physically that we just can't place why it's happening. And so by looking at someone's blueprint, you can really go, oh, well, you have this huge nervous system issue in your chart. You know, you somebody who's, you know, like a Gemini and, and with Libra rising or something like that. And so they're so air-based that their nervous system is always on this high high place that needs, you can just see better how to nourish somebody and not to keep going on my monologue here, but the other beautiful thing is we're not just physical, right? We have our emotional being, our mental, our spiritual being, and you can see all those layers within astrology. So sometimes when there's physical ailments that are kind of stuck and we we're doing everything we can to get it better, but it's not budging. Astrology gives you that beautiful map of how to work in that area spiritually or mentally, or, you know, take, like, say you were having a problem with your Mars, we can go and work with Mars on these other levels rather than the physical level. And hopefully the body vibration then gets happier in that area and releases some of the physical stuckness as we work on the mental emotional. Did that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to like kind of bring it down a little bit. Maybe we can um, talk about uh, maybe like the four different elements and maybe like sure. some pros and cons with each, you know, in regards to health. Uh, maybe yeah. some things that um, to some folks, because I, I don't, definitely don't want to dive into all all the signs, but <laughs> oh, yeah. sure, sure. I feel like the elements would be easier. Yeah. So, you know, we in the West, we use four elements, although there actually is a fifth. So we have in, in order that we teach them in astrology, it's fire, earth, air and water. There is actually the fifth element, which is ether, which the other elements are born from. But we're going to leave that to the side. So fire is hot and dry. And so, oh my gosh, what do you want? Fire is hot and dry and it's about action and kind of spirit in motion. We have earth, which is cold and dry. And that is about form, structure, solidity. Things don't go as fast with earth, right? It's cold and dry. So it kind of pulls in. Whereas earth is very, I mean, fire is very expansive. Um, like the onion family and the garlic family are ruled by Mars, which is your main fire planet. And so, you know, when we eat, you know, if you want to think about elements working in the body, when you eat a lot of chili or you eat a lot of garlic, there's that heat that rises, you know, you have it. And then you can also feel it rising through your body because heat expands and rises. And so that's the idea of using you know, to heat somebody up, especially like in winter, you would look at more fire foods. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we have earth, which is about the physical and the tangible. We have air, which is um, in medical astrology, air is a little confusing. Air is warm and it's actually moist, like steam. Although too much air eventually can lead to dryness because it creates so much movement and it can dry things out. But air is about the mental or, you know, the brain power, the nervous system. Um, and then we have water, which is about emotions and water is cold and wet or damp. And so things like, like right now you're in summer. So all the summer fruits 
are very high in water. So this is why we crave all these, you know, watermelon and all these juicy fruits in summer because there's so much heat going on. So we're craving that opposite element water. So it's it's often we're using the elements in oppositions to each other, right? Too much fire, let's bring in some water. Too much earth, let's bring in some air. And so it's, we all have a different balance of elements in our chart, um, but it's also just looking at ourselves constitutionally. I mean, Ayurveda does this really well. Um, and as does traditional TCM or Chinese medicine. But yeah, it's about finding that balance. It's like in the, I'm in the middle of winter in Australia right now. You don't, and I was teaching fasting. I, I teach at the university in naturopathy and we were talking about fasting yesterday. And I was like, I'm teaching you all this stuff, but whatever you do, don't do fasting in winter because fasting creates a lot of coldness in the body, especially if you're doing like green juice fasting and stuff. And I said, you can't, you're already cold in winter. You don't want to make it even colder. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Would that also um, align with like intermittent fasting? Uh, intermittent, it depends on which style of intermittent fasting we're talking about. But yeah, any fasting creates a bit of coldness in the body. But yeah, intermittent fasting, astrologically fasting is ruled by Saturn. Saturn is to restrict or to not eat. Um, and Saturn is one of the coldest planets. Um, it's an Earth planet. It would be categorized under Earth. So, um, you know, losing weight is a Saturn experience, not eating um, Saturn. So it's, yeah, intermittent fasting does bring in a Saturn element of restriction and not, yeah, it bring in coldness. Absolutely. Although you can IF during winter, you just got to watch how you do it. Or, you know, if someone wanted to do a bit of a fast, but not juicing in winter, that's where you make them have broths and um, soups and things like that over cold juices. It's like no one craves a smoothie in winter, unless you're in Hawaii. <laughs> unless you're in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. So if someone was going to, and um, for anyone who's listening, feel free to jump on astro.com, pull up your astrology chart. Um, yeah. so that you can look at these things as, as we're kind of talking. Um, but if someone was to look at their chart, I know that, I mean, you know, as I shared with you, astrology is a science, uh, you spend decades learning and there's still more, but what, like, what is the first place that you would suggest people look on their sure. chart that would be important for them to, to learn? Sure. So, I mean, the first thing I think any, most astrologers will do is go, where is somebody's sun? Because that's about, in medical astrology, your sun is your like vitality, your core energy. You would look at the sun, you would look at the moon. The moon is about your emotions, but it's also how we nourish ourselves, And it's about our nutrition. The moon actually rules. Yeah. Nutrition. Um, so I would look at both of those. And then the big thing I look at is the rising sign or the ascendant. And that's where people need their birth time. That's why we as astrologers ask people for birth, accurate birth times, not guesstimates. Um, because your ascendant, your ascendant in regular astrology, non-medical, we talk about it as it's like the mask we wear, the filter we put things through even before we let it get to the sun sign. So it's like the glasses that we put on and see the world. And it, but in medical astrology, your ascendant 
rules your physical body. So as much as you might be a you know, Leo sun sign or Aquarius sun sign, your rising sign is often where we have more physical ailments. It's kind of our Achilles heel. Because when, when we're under stress, we kind of ricochet right back to our ascendant. We, the way I explain it in medical astrology is, think of your ascendant as your battle shield. Like if we were Viking shield maidens um, uh, or people, um, <laughs> it's, where, it's where we come into battle with, it's where we come in contact with the, our physical world. And so the ascendant is a big area that I look at medically because that's probably the most under stress. And the first house, if people, uh, we, we take the astrology chart and we divide it into 12 pieces of pie and those are all called houses. And the ascendant starts the first house. And we, the first house is all about the physical body and how we respond to stress and how we experience the world in our incarnate form. So that's a really important area. And then I'd be remiss not to say the sixth house um, the sixth house in astrology is traditionally known as it's the house of service to others and hard work, but it, and routine, but it's also the house of what's known as disease and illness. And I would also say as a modern definition, it's the house of health because it's, the, it's, it's the area of the chart again, where we can have weaknesses health wise, but it's also it's the area of the chart where we need to create routine in our life. And routine is actually what creates more vibrant health, doing the right thing every day and being of service to our own bodies, not just to other people. Interesting. So, so um, can you give us an example of what that would look like in regards to, because I'm curious about the, like you were just talking about the routines and how that would help create health. So, um, yeah, if you could yeah. just give us an example. Sure. So this takes me more into naturopathy or any type of healing, but you know, our health is a combination of obviously genetics, good and bad luck as to what accidents we come into contact with. But 80%, I think they estimate that 80% of our health problems are because of diet and lifestyle choices. And what we choose to do every single day with our health is what has the greatest impact overall, right? So having a good sleep routine, having a good exercise routine. Um, so the sixth house is all about ritual and routine. And, and through that, and those little tiny choices, every single meal you, you, know, you make a choice. Of, if you think of your health as a continuum, I'm gonna jump. You got a beautiful continuum and you're here, every choice you make every day, this is great health, this is really crappy health. Every single time you eat, you are moving yourself in one direction or another. Every time you exercise or don't exercise, like we forget how much we do daily adds up to those foundations of what our health is about. And yes, there's really bad luck in genetics and all kinds of weird stuff about health, but really our choices every day have that huge impact. And the sixth house energetically is similar in medical astrology. It's similar to the sign Virgo and it's an earth house. And it's, it's all about the Virgo is all about detail and perfecting 
and assimilating life and perfecting it. It's kind of like that energetic right before the full moon when something comes to its full bloom and we're we're perfecting that shape as it's about to be in its in its great state. And so the sixth house is a lot of work and health is a lot of work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know my health is a lot of work. (laughs) Everybody's health. I mean, mean, really? (laughs) I eat chocolate. I have days I don't exercise. But it's it's those, unfortunately, it's the daily ritual. And and so, you know, to do a positive spin on it, we need to think about our health as a sacred ritual. You know, so many of us in this sphere are you know very spiritual looking at that higher meaning looking for that purpose looking for that magic and i like you know people that don't like routine are like oh health routine that's horrible and i I, and i try to say to them it's about making your health a sacred ritual every day give you know recognizing that your body is this incredible sacred being physically that you know needs this nourishment yeah and yeah, a bit of chocolate I, now and then. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot about um, on this podcast how you know our body is our wisest tool that we have in this lifetime, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, I think that all of us have different relationships with our body and mm-hmm. with taking care of our body, and go through ebbs and flows of that. And mm-hmm. um, but I know for myself, like when I became an entrepreneur over a decade ago, I learned very quickly. Unfortunately, I had already started putting some really good practices in place, mm. you know, to take care of myself. But I just really learned it was like, I can't function. I can't like, I don't work out to look cute in a bathing suit. That's like a perk. <laughs> yeah, I work yeah, out yeah. for sanity. I work out yeah. to feel good. I work out so I can show up. I eat well, so I feel yeah. good. You know, like these are things that it's just a part of what I have to do. So if someone has, um, so like in regards to looking at this sixth house mm. um, and they, uh, let's say uh, they have some planets in this house or like what can they yeah. look at their house that can kind of yeah. give them some information about what would be best for sure. them? Sure. So what we do with houses is you look at what sign is on the cusp. So as you divide a chart, I know a lot of people know this, but for those that don't, as you divide a chart down, each house will have a different sign that's in charge of it. So you just look at the line that starts the sixth house and you see which of the 12 astrological signs that is. So like, do you know your sixth house cusp? What's your rising sign? If we go back to this, I can, yeah. Depends on the house system. I know, (laughs) but but we'll generalize. um, Capricorn, I believe, because I'm a Leo rising. Okay, so if you have Capricorn on the sixth, that's Earth. That's cold and dry. Capricorn is, you look at the body parts that Capricorn rules. So Capricorn is in charge of the skin. It's in charge of the skeleton, teeth ligaments, tendons, things of form and structure, um, hair for protection, not for beauty. Um, And so we look at those things, you know, Capricorns have a tendency to, you know, as they age, we want to 
guard against things like arthritis or, um, you know, things that become more crystallized and stagnant because it's this cold earth. So things slow down. And, and, and so we would look at the nutrient I would look at when I do things like this. Okay. What nutrients are going to nourish healthy skin, healthy bones. I'm going to make sure we're watching, you don't become osteoporotic, um, you know, more calcium rich foods, vitamin D rich foods. It's not about always about supplements. It's about, you know, the foods and warming foods and, you know, Capricorn has a tendency to melancholy. It's this cold earth can feel down and melancholic. So we want to guard against that and, so we're always looking at that sixth house for how to approach our daily health. Um, you know, Capricorn is this mountain goat, you know, sitting on, it's this goat sitting on top of a mountain. So it's about maybe you need to go do more hiking in the hills, or, I mean, if you live near the beach and it's flat, just go hiking, <laughs> but, you know, knowing what that sign likes to do, you know, if you have tourists on the sixth house cusp, one of the best exercises for Taurus is gardening, getting into the earth and, and, you know, doing things like that or lifting weights. Um, if you have planets in the sixth and, you know, if you don't have planets in the sixth, everyone's like, Oh my God, I don't. I'm like, that's great. You know, yes, you're going to have health stuff come up, but you're not born kind of, I don't want to say karmically, but you're not born with this imprint of these planets that you have to deal with, with your health. And that's how I see planets in the six. It's like, you have to learn to dance with those planets to do with your health. So like, I heard I you. Pluto. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I heard um, on one of the podcasts that I was uh, listening yeah. to you be interviewed on, because if you look at my chart under Placidus, I have Venus in the sixth. And you were talking about how like Venus is lazy, <laughs> likes to chill, lay around. Lazy. And I was like, yes, she does. And eat fine food yes. and drink good oh, wine yes. or, you yes. know, people get their pleasures. <laughs> you know, Venus is about pleasure. So, yeah, absolutely. She wants to or they want to be lying on a couch, listening to music and looking at some, you know, really handsome person that they're attracted to and being fed <laughs> grapes and yeah. Oh boy. yeah. I always so wanted knowing, a pool boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's about knowing that I have Pluto in the sixth by Placidus, mm. um, which is a house system. And so, you know, I like doing really intense transformational styles of healing. I love doing really intense detoxes or fasting, like hardcore fasting, or I love getting into saunas and doing this big sweat. So I know that I crave this intensity of detox, Pluto rules detoxification and transformation. So I want to use it that way so that the energy of the planet doesn't get stuck. And the way, the way I look at planets in a chart is like, they're all your little children. They're, you're this teacher and the, your chart is your classroom. And each planet is one of your students. And if you ignore a student because you're uncomfortable with that planet, we all have planets that we're like, I don't really get that part of me or, I don't like that part of my chart. I'm uncomfortable with it. If we ignore a student in class, what do they do? 
they become the naughty student that acts up. You know, they're the mischief maker causing chaos because it wants attention. And so I like to think of the chart as this class that you need to learn to get working together, but each child needs its day to itself as well. And we need to take each planet out for a play or, you know, if you think of your chart like a orchestra, everybody needs a solo, everybody. And if you ignore somebody and don't give them a solo, they're the ones that arc up and cause problems physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. So besides the, the sixth house, are there other houses that we should pay a lot of attention to in regards to our health? Um, look, I'm a believer that every house is important. Um, in traditional medical astrology, it's the first, the sixth. So first is the physical body. Six is the house of disease or illness. The eighth house is the house of genetics, inherited issues. It's also the house of death, um, but that's a whole topic on its own. Don't freak out if you have planets there, <laughs> but it's just, that's what it is. And then the 12th house is the house of chronic ailments. The sixth house is acute ailments. And then the opposite sign to that is chronic. So if you don't deal with something in the acute stage, in the sixth house, it will be energy transfers across the chart to the 12th house. And the 12th house is rules, chronic illness, hospitals, institutions, and you don't want to get stuck in the 12th. And if you have planets in the 12th, don't stress it. It's just the 12th house is also this beautiful, spiritual, collective, unconscious house. Um, people with 12 health planets often very drawn to be healers or work within hospital environments and things like that. Yeah, my partner has, I think, three big planets in, in his 12th. Um, what does he do for work? He, he works, uh, he's in a, he's with a fintech company and he, he just got a new job. That's why I'm like struggling <laughs> with oh. his, he works with customers. He's a customer success manager or something like that. Um, hmm. he hasn't oh. fully tapped into his healing yet, but I know yeah. that having his hands on me is just the most wonderful. Yeah. It's yeah. It just yeah. pours through him energetically. I can feel it. And it comes through his voice. It comes through, you know, just who he is. So, and people, just because it's not like a healing traditional thing, if he's working with customers and helping them, that's still healing whatever their problems are, maybe yeah. in work, you know, maybe in computer land or whatever, but it's still, there's people working with people that are incredibly fixing and healing, but not in the healing sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very true. Very true. It's like um, those people you meet that are incredible salespeople and it's like, they're actually incredible connectors of people and then inspire people to, you know, believe in that. Yeah. It's interesting to look at different jobs. Yeah. I, I always tell my clients that in regards to healing is not just hands-on, mm -hmm. um, but with him, my partner specifically, because his hands-on is so incredible. I'm just like, Okay. <laughs> keep, keep, keep that going. Yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah. see where it goes. Um, so with the, with the, okay. So first, sixth, eighth, and 12th, um, Those the traditional houses to focus on health wise, but I honestly see health issues come up in every house. Yeah. Don't ignore the other houses. 
Right. Um, one of one of the listeners had asked about the eighth house in particular. Oh. They were interested to know if you are able to tell when someone's going to pass away, if they are in the midst of a life-threatening illness, or even outside of that. Look, there are, I'm going to say there's traditional techniques to look at timing of life, how strong somebody's um, health is going to be constitutionally in their life. There are ways to examine what's known as a death chart, you know, and that question comes up a lot. I would never do a consult where I would predict death or not. Like, so you, I do get questions about this. I'm really sick. Am I going to live or not? That is so far removed from an ethical thing to be able to predict. Because truly, if you look at transits and progressions, transits are like you have your natal chart and then where the planets are right now in the universe and how that's affecting you. And when you're looking at illnesses and things like that, you are looking at transits and what's getting triggered. And there are certain planets that are supposedly more involved in when you die but they're not actually the planets you would think they are. They're things like Jupiter, which, you know, we think of Jupiter as good luck and expansion, but it's also moving on to the next bigger realm. But, you know, truthfully, we all have two or three transits that you can go, oh, you could die from that every year, but we don't, we're all still here. So I don't, there are, if you go back in some traditional medical astrology books, there are books that will look at that. I, I, as a medical astrologer and as a naturopath, I will not do predictive health. I won't even predict, hey, this illness is going to go away. You're going to have this for the rest of your life. More traditional astrologers might. They might be like, oh, this is so chronic and it's going to last forever because I think that's not a healthy dialogue for our brain and our soul to hear because how do we know, like say you have this big bad Pluto transit coming up. Pluto is death and rebirth and transformation and, you know, going into your own underworld and coming back. But how do I know that transit is going to be your death versus you are just going to have a transformational understanding of who you are and come out the other side? So I I personally don't do any predictive astrology like that. When people email me about that, which is all the time, I'm like, that's not my that's not my thing. Um, there's a form of astrology called horary astrology, which is asking a question. And then the chart gives you kind of an answer about it. Horary astrologers are the better people to ask these questions of. I don't know ethically if somebody would actually go, oh yeah, you're going to die or you're going to live. Um, because, and again, why I don't deal with that is if I see that in you, what is it going to grow? I don't want to scare somebody. And so the practitioner in me has these ethics where I can't do that. If somebody has already died, I will look at the chart for the triggers of when it happened. Like you can look at a death chart of someone who's already passed, but I've got a lot of ethical stuff about prediction of, I mean, people want to know timing of when they're going to get better. And it's like, Mm, how quick are you going to learn the lesson around what your body's trying to tell you versus maybe that's just, yeah, about you learning to live with that situation. So it's, it's a tricky question. Um, 
in traditional texts, they, they, and I do this jokingly now, they talk about your eighth house, planets in it being kind of like how you're going to die. So like Mars in the eighth was, you know, falling off a horse, being stabbed, being shot, you know, something, Mars is kind of violence. Um, you know, uh, Neptune would be death by drugs or drowning, you know, but, but that's, when you go back to these old texts, we also didn't have amazing surgeries, antibiotics, you know, antivirals, that life was a lot more precarious when we did a lot more of this type of prediction. And I don't think it's really, yeah, that's a very long thing I've just said there, but yeah, I warn people <laughs> to be very cautious of it because you don't want to plant stuff in their head. But let me say, Three or four times a year, I have clients book in and they're like, this astrologer told me this transit's going to be cancer. And they are freaking out. You never ethically tell anybody a disease they're going to get. You can't predict that from an astrology chart. Yes, you have a transit coming up. It could be one of 30 things. How You can't name that it's going to be cancer. And uh, I'm going to swear, you can't fucking tell someone that. Like you can't. Well, just energetically, from an energetic standpoint, like you said, putting that in their head can generate so much. I mean, it can generate cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. it absolutely can. So, um, so medical astrology is super powerful, but it's super dangerous if dealt with in the wrong way. So I really, you know, do all your reading, see medical astrologers, but be very cautious. You know, I teach medical astrology to other astrologers and to health practitioners. And one of my first lessons is always around the ethics of what you say and what you don't say. And and you you just can't know, you know. Yes. You you, you yeah. It's a perfect segue um, into your your teachings and your trainings. So I'm yep. I'm curious, first of all, I would love for you to share more with us, but I'm also curious if folks who are complete beginners can jump right yep. into medical astrology or if they need to have like a foundation of astrology and then learn medical astrology. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. What is that process? Look, I think knowing a bit of astrology first makes it much easier because it's like trying to spell words without knowing the alphabet. So I, you know, I, I would say, but you can read one astrology book on, you know, like just know what each sign is about, know what each planet is and it's glyph, you know, it's symbol, know what each house is, understand the basic idea of transits or, you know, but, but you, you don't need to know a lot. It also depends on what your other information is that you have. Like, um, I'll jump onto that in a minute, but yeah, basic understanding of what a natal chart is. And then you can go into medical for sure, but it's like learning, you know, when we go to learn astrology, it's this whole world that you have to learn about. Medical astrology is the whole world again, but with different definitions. So you can do a lot without knowing much astrology, but it, it's definitely going to help. Um, you know, I teach classes I've actually divided up because I'm a naturopath as well I have all these healers you know naturopaths and but like physios doctors whoever that you know chiropractors that want to learn medical astrology so I actually last year taught a class called medical astrology for health practitioners which was literally for people with great medical knowledge but they didn't some people in the class had never looked at a natal chart so I taught it from a very basic medical point of view I mean 
astrology, astrological point of view. And so now this year, I'm teaching medical astrology for astrologers, which is much higher knowledge. I mean, you don't actually have to have that much knowledge, but it's taught from an assumption of what I just went through, but from not understanding a lot about the body and diseases. So actually, and they're, they're both on my website available to do any time once they've been taught. So I actually have divided it into two because there's such two different groups that want to learn medical astrology. Yeah, that makes complete sense. It's been a lot of fun doing that rather than trying to kind of aim it down the middle. It's, um, yeah. Well, when you niche it out, I would think, especially from a teaching perspective, you have so much more freedom in regards to how to focus, like, you know, how to plan, how to focus, those sorts. And then even for the people itself, you know, um, that's completely different. Yeah, that's been really fun to do it. Mm. Wonderful. So do you teach in person and on like, and like self-paced? Yeah. So I teach online, um, just off my website. There's tons and tons of one-off courses. There's links to lots of uh, podcasts, which your link will be on. So you can hear a lot without paying for anything. If you just kind of click on all the podcasts, (laughs) um, But yeah, there's one-off classes you can do, and then there's bigger five-week, 10-week courses, but it's all self-paced. It's available pretty indefinitely. I'm not, I can't stand when I sign up for a course and I only have six months to get it done because I sign up for too many courses. So um, yeah, it's all there. And by by the end of this year, I should have my first book out. It's, It's actually a bit of a crime that I don't have a book. I have about two medical astrology books half written, so doing a bit of sabbatical and getting some books out. Nice. Definitely be looking forward to that. Face-to-face teaching. Uh, Obviously I'm in Australia, so that mainly happens here. Although because of COVID, there hasn't been much. Um, I do tend to lecture at a lot of the big astrology conferences. I'm fortunate enough to get asked to speak at a lot of those. So whether it's a one-off class or sometimes I get lucky enough to do a whole workshop um, so yeah, so like in two weeks, I'm flying out to Colorado, well, I'm flying to San Francisco and then Colorado, there's a big astrology conference that there's a hundred teachers coming to this conference. To Is that the ESAR so one? ESAR. Yeah. ESAR's okay. in, yeah. And we just had NORWAC was in May, which is in Seattle. And so there's big conferences that happen once a year, once every two or three years. So that's a great way, not just me, but to hear to find new teachers. You know, I think, I think online teaching is so amazing, but there's something about face to face and the energetic exchange that you get to have. It's, it's, um, I'm super excited for that to restart after two years of online. Yeah. I'm completely with you. Like if I, I don't know, I, I just really like being in the live elements of a class, even if it is online, when it's live, like for me personally, um, I I really thrive on that a lot better. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Online can be, yeah, I can get really excited online. I have, it's funny. I have students that take some of my online recorded classes that have been my live face-to-face students a few years before. And they're like, Oh my God, it's the same. I can still feel the same energy. So (laughs) I think I'm pretty hyper online as well as (laughs) face-to-face. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> yeah because yeah yeah you um, don't fall asleep in my no sleeping in my <laughs> I get excited and I start getting louder and louder yeah 
Same. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So let's transition here into the lightning round. Um, Oh, okay. I'm ready. um, I think. Yes. Yes. Okay. So first question, what is the one habit that you can't live without? Coffee. It's the ritual of having it in the morning and it can actually be decaf or regular, but coffee. Do you have a favorite uh, brand? Uh, I'm in Australia, so it'll be different brands. It's a local coffee shop. I get their beans. Nice. No. But, but Those are usually dark. the best ones. Here, here's a better answer. Italian stovetop is how I make my coffee. Mm. It's not so much the coffee brand, it's how it's brewed. And I love really strong. I learned to drink coffee in Italy, so strong. Nice. Yeah, when I lived, um, gosh, down in Central South America, um, especially Central America, the way that we would make coffee there, like I brought back one of the little filter yeah. things and yeah, yeah. used it forever. Um, yeah, I travel the world. Completely different. Mm. So nice. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so what does spirituality mean for you? Oh. It means living life within it's it it's living a sacred life and I can't live without that yeah so I'm a spiritual eclectic learn from everywhere and just kind of infuse it into what works for me but yeah it's about living a magical life love it what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find their soul-driven path oh It would be about not just sticking to one thing, going and adventuring, you know, whether it's astrology, human design, numerology, going and reading, reading the original texts, not just the live teachers now and, and, and yeah, finding what sings to your soul, but there will be multiple things that sing to your soul, but yeah. Yeah. I love the, I love the adventure piece in that. I think that's huge. Mm. Um, okay. Last question. It's a big one. You ready? Yeah. (laughs) Where is your favorite place uh, to connect with people online? Oh, uh, that was totally not the question. Like, where's my place to connect with nature? I was like in the mountains in the redwood trees by stream (laughs) to connect with people online. Um, like, is in what social media platforms do I use? Like, if people really want to connect with you, like, oh, where right. do you like to hang out? Yeah. You know? So I like to hang out by my website. You know, that's probably the best way to have a bigger conversation with me. And you can send me a message via my website, which is astrologyofhealth.com. Um, but social media wise, I'm most on Instagram. But be careful because I am one of those unfortunate people that people make fake accounts about. And I'm I got with one that followed me. Scammer accounts all the time. Um, They're targeting <laughs> spirituality people. So my Instagram and fa- I am on Facebook as well um, uh, is um, Astrology of Health. But make sure it's spelled properly because all of the fake accounts are slightly different. And let me just say, I would never 
DM. I don't personal message anybody about free giveaways or juju vibes I got about you and can I do something for you for free? And then they try to collect money. Like it breaks my heart, but I can't, we report them, but yeah, just know you have to message me for me to message you. Yeah. (laughs) But Instagram, I'm always on every, almost every day. I do have days without socials. Yeah, I was I, I I usually see them immediately and I I think I was maybe not paying attention because I was on my podcast account. That one doesn't usually get too many um, yeah. following it and I was like, "Oh, she followed me, I guess cuz you know, I'm going to interview her." And then I yeah. got this DM and it's like, "Hey darling, blah blah blah." And I, I was like, that's and not I don't her. call people darling. <laughs> I don't like if you've ever now that you've heard me online, I don't I, I, call I hadn't even talked to you yet. Or but I was like, or that's not yeah, you're, no. you're missing it, dude. Like, <laughs> no. If you are my really good friend, and I know you in the physical realm, sometimes I refer to people as beautiful. But that would be you have to know me for ten years before I say, "Hey, beautiful." But I don't call people darling or sweetheart or pr- pr- yeah, like no. I'm so straight talking. It's hilarious because I got sent what people get sent, and I'm like, that's so far from my personality. Exactly. Exactly. The scammers need to listen to more podcasts to mimic who I am. But but yeah, they're doing terrible. So be careful of that. And if you're really into health and naturopathy and um, more sports, physical sport, sports nutrition, naturopathy, my other um, Instagram is Uber Health. U B E R H E A L T H is my business name in my just pure naturopathy. And some people do both because that's, I I put out a lot of info about diet and exercise and that has been my business name for 22 years. So it's not an invention since Uber, Uber health is mine. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we'll make sure to include all of the links to connect with you um, in the show notes. Yeah, make yeah. it super easy. Yeah. But yeah, hopping on my website, you can do free charts on my website. There's a really good download on my website that generalizes a good general template on medical astrology. And there's a yeah, few, few articles, lots of links. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of information. Well, it has been such a pleasure, Kira. Thank you so much for so fun. spending yeah. time and, and sharing and, um, yeah, I hope to have you back so we can talk about oh, yeah. the moon cycle and stuff. stuff. Yes, moon that cycles. might be something that needs to be discussed more, so much yeah. more. So yeah, I do a big thing on moon cycles, periods, health, exercise, and weight loss to do with moon cycles. Yeah, that's mm. needs to be talked about. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so, so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks, if you were inspired by today's interview, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes, um, hit us up on social media, and subscribe to the email list for podcast updates and helpful resources. Have an incredible week. Thank you so much. And don't forget, when we invest in the world, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. (laughs) Until next week. Thanks, Anna.